0: 703 on a Thursday I'm not sure I care for this song Sounds like somebody's phone's going off in the background Like vibrating? Yeah Are you sure it's not yours? Because that happens often enough (laughs) (laughs) Everyone be quiet for a sec, listen Oh yeah, that's not even a song I think it is someone's It's an intro bed You're supposed to talk over it You've got so much energy this morning It's great to see I like to be here Yeah. Why does nobody else have my energy level? I don't know. You were late. It's impossible. <laughs> it's like the most exciting day of the year. He wasn't even here for the intro. No one caught that, by the way. Right off the top. Download the Hour One podcast. Basketball Ben's working on it right now. I did my usual preamble because, I, you know, I'm a routine-based individual. Mm-hmm. And I said, Jason, good morning. And then I, I did the Jason role. I'm like, good morning, Mike. How are you? <laughs> no one picked up on it. He was like, oh, don't talk to me. Uh, Patrick Burke is going to join us in just a moment here to kick off Hour 2. Take care of some quick business here. Hour 2 of the Halford and Bruff Show. Is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer, meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime is full flavor without compromise. You can find it at a liquor store near you or visit the brewery to see how it's made. Uh, this entire program is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studio,
1: Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider powered by thousands of five star Google reviews. Sore feet,
0: what are you waiting for? Kintech. Uh, our next guest is the NHL's VP of Player Safety. He is also the guy that oversees all the hockey-specific aspects of the NHL skills competition, which goes tomorrow, 4 o'clock our time. Joining us now, as mentioned, Patrick Burke here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Patrick. How are you? Morning, guys. I'm doing great. How are you? We're good. Nice to talk to you again. It's been a while. we were reminiscing about our uh, past hanging out in various locations in Philadelphia and what have you, so it's nice to talk to you again.
2: Yeah, it's been way too long and I know the uh the hockey fans are in Vancouver. All they're talking about right now is the skills competition, so I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm you know, I'm actually looking forward to this skills competition and I don't mean to that to sound like a backhanded compliment, but I look at how it seems to have been streamlined and I'm wondering about your conversations with players like O'Connor McDavid and what the recommendations from the players were to help improve the skills competition.
2: Well, it's absolutely a backhanded compliment, but it's fine. We'll, we'll take, the, <laughs> take the compliment. Okay, good. Um, it, um, so Steve Mayer, who's our chief content officer here, Commissioner Bettman, um, after last year's skills competition, they heard directly from uh, some players that they weren't thrilled with uh, with how it all went down. So, uh, Steve had a number of conversations, especially with Connor, uh, about getting back to hockey. Um, you know, let, let's move move away from skits and jokes and, and kind of the goofier things that that we did that were a mixed bag. Some were incredible and, and great moments, and, and some didn't land so well. But uh, the players wanted to get back to just just testing skills. So uh, the new format has uh, twelve players. Uh, they've each selected four events uh, that they want to try. Um, And at the end of uh, those events, we'll we'll advance some guys to the next round. So you'll see uh, the same player doing multiple events and really testing their all-around skills game, which is not something the NHL has done before, and we're really excited about
1: it. Is it going to be easier for you guys to run an event with fewer players on the ice?
2: It's way easier. I I mean, in most years, what we're trying to do right now, and my day today, the, the day before skills, is trying to beg players to participate in something. Mm-hmm. And as it is now, we've got the 12 guys, we've got the events, their list of events they selected the of the first six events they want to do. Um, so they raised their hands and said, put me in this one. Um, so it's, it's way easier from a management standpoint, um, but it's also going to be, be more exciting, I think, for the fans. It's going to be simple, clean, easy to follow. Um, you're going to know what you're watching at all times. It's all going to be hockey skills. Um, you're not going to get... Uh, interrupted with a comedy skit or something like that. Uh, I I really think it's going to be clean, easy, and, and incredibly fun to follow.
0: Um, I'm curious if you guys looked outside the hockey scope and looked to some of the other professional leagues as to what they do. Cause I always go to the, the NBA uh, for all the gimmicky stuff that they've tried as well. They've always got the three point contest, which is who's the best shooter and the dunk contest, which is who's the best dunker. And there seems like that sense of simplicity. Uh, it's almost timeless. Like people will always gravitate to that because they just want to know who's the best at this kind of stuff. Uh, I'm curious if you kind of reached outside of the hockey sphere to get some ideas for the skills competition.
2: Yeah, we spend a lot of time looking at what every other league does. So whether it's um, the NBA and WNBA and their skills competitions, whether it's uh, Major League Baseball and Home Run Derby, uh, the NFL and their Pro Bowl uh, Skills Challenge, um, we watch every minute of everything they do. And um, if there's stuff that we want to steal, we absolutely and unabashedly will take good ideas from wherever we can get them. So um, we're we're watching what every other league does. We know they're watching us as well and adapting to Uh, the good ideas that we have, but yeah, I I think fans do appreciate the, the classics. So, um, you know, accuracy shooting for us is a classic, we've gone back to the old uh, styrofoam targets that Ray Bork would break four for four. Um, We've gotten rid of the the higher tech board that we tried for a couple of years there. Um, Hardest shot is still in there. So some of the old favorites that, that fans know and recognize will still be there. And then we've got some new and exciting things that we're, we're really excited to try. Was
1: it hard to cut it down to 12 players? Like how how did that, was there lobbying behind the scenes? Because there's a million bucks at stake here.
2: It was exceptionally hard trying to pick. I mean, you're talking about um, every all-star really has multiple skills that they could do this. So uh, you're sitting around looking at guys and you look at some of the big names who had to be, uh, unfortunately, left off. Um, Really difficult to trim it down. Um, Hopefully this, this version of the event is a success. And it can become an annual thing. And the next, you know, next year, a couple of years from now, whenever we're doing this again, it would be really exciting to bring in, uh, you know, 10 or 11 or or 12 new guys and and let them try again. But, you know, you look at some of the all stars who who aren't going to be in the skills competition, um, even a couple of deserving Canucks, although uh, they still have three guys in in skills this year. But uh, it was really tough to leave off some of these big names and big personalities and guys that we want to highlight. But, um, we're really excited about the 12 guys we've got. Um, three Canucks involved. Uh, Hughes, Patterson, Miller will all be there. Uh, every skills event this year has at least one Canuck in it. So no excuse to turn the TV off or take a bathroom break or something, but there'll always be something <laughs> for you
0: to watch. Uh, much has been made about the aforementioned $1 million prize for winning the whole thing. What went into that decision? Or was it just as simple as like this big novelty check with seven figures
2: on it? Everyone likes those. Everyone likes those, um, but also you know the when our guys are motivated and competing, they can do anything and it will be entertaining for our fans to watch. We could have a staring contest, and if NHL players are right. are doing it and are active and competing then um, fans would tune in and watch it because it would be entertaining. so how do we make sure these guys are going full tilt in every event? how do we make sure that Um, You know, they're not turning the first corner and and fastest skater and and pulling up a little bit because they don't want to want to work too hard. Um, You put a a lot of money on the line. So uh, Commissioner Bettman and and Steve uh, came up with the million dollar number. And I don't know, I I would skate a lap pretty hard for the chance to win a million dollars. I know that. Uh, I don't mean to
0: throw you on the spot here, but do you know what happens with Elias Lindholm now that he is going to the All-Star game, but has been traded from team to team? I know it happened with Bo Horvat last year, so there's a precedent there, but there's a lot of people in the Canucks claim him. Right. There's a lot of people in the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket right now being like another All-Star for the Canucks and then quietly patting themselves on the back. So how does that play out?
2: Yeah. I, I don't know what the league did to, to Jimmy Rutherford and Patrick Aldean, that they want to keep messing with the all-star <laughs> game every year, but uh, there's clearly something that they don't like about it. Right. Um, this year, this year, as I think fans know, uh, there is an all-star draft for the actual game. So uh, there is no East and West. There's different team, ca- team captains. Um, so I'm not sure what Patch when uh, will be wearing on his shoulder, uh, but he's going to be playing for whatever team drafts him. So who knows, maybe Quinn Hughes wants to, to do a test run with his new teammate and, uh, make sure he drafts them. Uh, that draft is tonight. Uh, everyone should tune in and watch that and uh, and figure out exactly which team uh, Lindholm will be playing for.
1: What is the draft going to look like? Is it a surprise? I mean, I remember the old draft, which was just in a room, and you know, it, um, and the guys were well into their pops at at that point, um, which made it kind of fun. Is that is it going to be like that, or is it something different this year?
2: Uh, I'll be honest, Steve and, and his team spend more time on that than I do. Uh, it is on the, uh, the arena floor, um, and they do have some uh, big plans. Uh, anyone who knows Steve Mayer knows uh, he's always going to try and do things big and entertaining and, and exciting. So there's some amazing celebrities it will be right in, uh, in the arena here in Toronto, and uh, it should be a really great uh, visual event, as well as the guys having some real fun with it. And, uh, and the celebrities uh, are, are going to be awesome as well.
0: Uh, the NHL Skills Competition goes tomorrow. That's Friday, four o'clock our time. Obviously, right here uh, across the Sportsnet radio networks and Sportsnet on television as well. Patrick, thank you very much for doing this today. We really appreciate it. Uh, best of luck with the Skills Comp. Should be a lot of fun this year, and let's uh, let's do this again at some point.
2: Always a pleasure, guys.
0: Call me anytime. Sounds good. Thank you. That's Patrick Verk, the v- uh, VP of Player Safety at the NHL. What? What are you laughing at, laddie? Why are you laughing at me?
2: Stumbling over your
0: words there. I think I called him Patrick Verk. Because I wanted to say Patrick Burke,
2: BP. And you also said, do this again. It's not like you said, do the skin.
0: Well, that's what I meant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, He is the guy that's behind the revamped skills competition. So real quick, uh, I think everyone... With all due respect, and I'm glad that they're bringing back the exploding styrofoam for the target shooting. Mm-hmm. That that was always yes. my personal favorite. Um, everyone's going to be looking at the fastest skater, right? That's the one that everyone... That's the marquee event here. That's the dunk contest of this whole thing, right? What? Fastest skater, you think? I think so. I mean, all the leads from NHL.com and everywhere else start with the fastest skater. Yeah, it's got probably con- just because McDavid's in it, right? Well, Can you know who? Beat him? Connor McDavid, William Nylander, Kale McCarr, Matthew Barzell, and... Quinn Hughes, the mm-hmm. Vancouver Canucks, will be participating in the fastest skater competition. So I'm, I'm, I am I'm, think that's going to be the marquee event. But I'm glad that they've gotten back to, not to belabor this point, because I know everyone wants to talk about the Elias Lindholm trade, but uh, I'm not just you know towing the company line or being a good sports and employee. Watch our product by saying that I think that there is something good about these skills competitions, which is why I asked about across the leagues. Mm-hmm. Like it, The NBA is toyed with Um, their skills competition, but its core, it's just about who's the best at this cool thing, right? Who's the best dunker? Who's the best shooter? In hockey, it should be who shoots the puck the hardest, who skates the fastest, et cetera, et cetera.
1: But did you hear the acknowledgement, basically, that the NHL is like, guys, you got to try.
0: Yeah, that's a big part of it.
1: You got to try. That's why... That's the problem. That's been the problem with the skills competition, and it's been the problem with the All-Star game. Um, And I realized that You're not going to have guys going out there and, you know, chipping and chasing and going in there and hitting guys and that sort of thing. But you have to have an effort because nobody wants to watch. I mean, kids will. But I don't think anyone that knows the game really well wants to watch guys going at 50% out there and making you know long
0: passes that you know half of them don't even work and you're like what are we watching here well with regards to the skills competition uh, the modern version i look at the i think the mlb's home run derby is probably the the one where it gets the most hype and yeah the guys do take it very seriously Mm -hmm. right they want to win they want to add that to their
1: list of accomplishments
0: and you know why because when they ask, like, who, who's the best home run hitter? Who can hit the biggest bombs in baseball? Well, like, the names on that list. When Vladdy won it, yeah. it was like he's joining a big
1: list. And then, he fo- and then he followed that up with a terrific season. Yeah, right? like he, he
0: peaked It just the- catapulted him. Now, what you don't want to do is peek <laughs> at the skills competition. Uh, there's a couple of people texting in saying that they, they actually saw through my Jason Bruff impression right off the bat. So that cuts me to my soul. I thought I did a good job, but I guess I didn't. Whatever. Let's go back. To the big news of the day, Jason. That is the Elias Lindholm trade. The Canucks consummated said trade yesterday. In case you missed it, I will be doing some resets today. Uh, on his way to Vancouver, uh, pending UFA center, Elias Lindholm. On their way to Calgary, uh, fare thee well, Andre Kuzmenko. It was a. Uh, Fun time, not a long time. And for you, it wasn't that fun near the end. But you are now on your way to Calgary along with Hunter Bushevitz. Yanni Yermo, a 2024 first-round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick. I love that fourth-round pick in 2024. He was really good in the room. That could end up being a third-round pick, by the way, if the Canucks go to the Western Conference final this year.
1: Uh, Tim in South Surrey texts in, Obviously, this team has a good makeup to be a regular season team. Do you think they have enough heft to be a playoff team? This trade has not addressed the team's size and meanness. Do you guys think they will get more heft or are you guys comfortable with their size going into the playoffs? I'd like to see them get a little more, um, I'll use your word, heft. (laughs) Greg Greg said girth. (laughs) Not girth. I don't mind it. Grit, sandpaper, whatever you want. I'd like to see that. uh, I mean, ideally, here's the thing ideally, I'd like another winger. In the top six that can play with some force, um, and I guess that sets my targets on a guy like Mikheyev. Um Like I want more out of him, and I don't. I don't know if he's playing badly. I, but I don't think he's playing all that well. Um, you know, he did have a serious injury, and sometimes these injuries can take a year to recover from. Sometimes you're never the same player again. Um, maybe if he's playing with Lindholm and Petey, Mikheyev is going to show us more. But, you know, I do like Suter with Miller and Besser. But ideally, if a player like Mikheyev was replaced with, he's still got to be a talented player. But someone that had a little more edge,
0: I would like that. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm going to push back on this text a little bit because I've seen a lot in this vein. And there's two things here. One, um, I think people are overstating what is an antiquated notion. Like, don't get me wrong. Playoff hockey is tougher. It's more physical. It's more greasy and, and grinding and dirty and everything. But people are like, well, who's going to drop the?" I saw a text yesterday. And I know I'm cherry picking here. But someone, who, who's going to drop the gloves when things get tough in the playoffs? I'm like, have you watched playoff hockey? There's not a lot of fisticuffs in the playoffs. When it is, it's usually two guys that it's born out of frustration, and they just scrap. Yeah, like you at know? the end of a blowout or something like You're that. You're not yeah. sending a guy out to tune up another guy to send a message or mm-hmm. to, anything like that. Secondly, this team has more than adequately addressed its size issues. On the back end, yeah. Yeah. Like, on the on the back end. But yeah. I, But
1: I just feel like up front they could use a little bit more.
0: And I agree, but if you were to do a priority chart in terms of things that you wanted the Canucks to add, I would have put a top six forward, number one, mm-hmm. and they did that. Yeah. Number two would be another defenseman, and they haven't done that yet. And then the third thing on the priority chart would be like, get a little girthier, I guess, or beefier or whatever. Yeah, And that's just me, but I, I don't see this team being a bunch of wilting flowers or soft on the contrary, I there's times this year where I've been. I love their relentlessness on the puck. I love their puck pursuit mm. and their puck battles. That to well, me, that third line is going to be hard to play against any night, right? In and the that, playoffs, and, and that to me is tough, hard, physical hockey. Like I get that you want those opening shifts, game one of the playoffs, where guys are going in on the forecheck and rattling the boards and making loud noises. Right? There's an energy to yeah. the building. There's an energy to the team. But the reality of it is, is over the course of sixty minutes. You need those guys to do that consistently. You need guys to, that are hard to play against for the 11 or 12 or 13 minutes that they're out on the And yes. more importantly, you need guys to just go get the puck. Yeah. But like, that That to me is the key, the big part of it. Like, I would much prefer, like, a puck hunting forward, a guy that's going to go in and make life difficult. It doesn't necessarily have to arrive with a loud noise. Or sometimes they arrive late, finish their check, and the puck's already gone. Yeah. Like, you for know, example, go get the, puck. the way Garland's playing right now, he's... Uh, he's great for the playoffs because he's annoying to play against yeah in the 10 or 11 or 12 minutes he's gonna get he's gonna make your life extremely difficult is he gonna rearrange your skeletal structure no but he's tough to play against and it's consistently tough to play against god it's nice to have
1: these conversations though it's right the the, the the this these are the conversations you get to have when you're anticipating the playoffs and You know, some people will say, oh, you guys are still picking on the negatives. I'm like, no, we're not. We're getting a little nitpicky because our expectations are high. You know, Mikheyev, during a a non-playoff season, you're just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like, he's he's doing whatever. Whatever. Sure. Right? Now, you're kind of looking at every member of the team from the top forward all the way down to the depth defenseman and going – How can we make this as perfect as possible? It'll never be perfect. Mm -hmm. And you're going to run into issues, but you're trying to prepare yourself for a long run. Um, People are texting into the Dunbar Lumber text line. How would they end up getting TANF? Good Uh, question. Someone texts in, I feel like it might be you trade Zdorov for a second, then you move that second plus a, a prospect who isn't, Willander or Lekker or Mackie for Tanev. In theory, I suppose that's possible. Now, there might be a lot of people out there that are like, don't trade Zdorov. I love that guy. Mm -hmm. We need him in the playoffs. You guys just talked about size and wearing down the other team. That's the type of guy that's going to do that. I totally understand that take and have time for it. But maybe the Canucks feel like, listen, if we have an option between Zdorov and Tanev, if we have that option maybe we'll take Tanev. Now, the question for the Flames is, would they accept a deal like that, or are they going to hold out for a first-round draft pick for Tanev? Will Toronto give them a first-round draft pick, and is that what they want? Because... I don't think the Canucks are going to give up another first-round pick.
0: Well, I mean, the other
1: they're not going to go into the following year and be like, "We'll trade that one too." You know, the
0: other not for Tanev at least. The other interesting thing with Tanev is that you know we had Frege on the show yesterday, and he was talking about Ottawa. Right Where you, you talk about TANF not as a trade deadline rental pickup, but as someone that you want to bring in, sign to an extension immediately and have being a contributing member to your team. I mean, Ottawa could get into this sweepstakes and really change the dynamic because they can offer different things. They've got a bounty of young players. They've got draft pick capital. I mean, the big issue with the Canucks right now, you look at the 2024 draft, the first round pick is already gone. Right? That was given mm-hmm. to the Calgary Flames in this Lindholm trade. Uh, don't forget, their second-round pick in 2024 is also gone because that's what they needed to pay to send Jason Dickinson to Chicago. Yeah, The third-round pick, and it's either the third or the fourth is gone this year, depending on how far they go in the playoffs. That's also going to Calgary. They've got a fourth-rounder from New Jersey, which I believe was in the Curtis Lazar trade. They don't have a fifth-round pick. So draft capital, at least in terms of the 2024 draft, The cupboard is bare for the Canucks. Now, can you start talking about what we're going to trade our 2025 first-round pick? Then you're talking about maybe going two years in a row without a first, and I don't know if that's what this management group wants to do. That being said, this management group is very motivated. I would say very motivated right now to continue to add. They sound like they're very aggressive. Okay, one last laugh before we get to a more serious topic with
1: Paul Grant. Ryan and Langley text in, I just want this team as hard and girthy as they can get. Thank you very much, Ryan.
0: There is a better way
1: to say that. You're listening to the, again, for some reason, you're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
2: The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: 31, now 732 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff, of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer. Today, we are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. They stopped by yesterday, got a tour of the studio, dropped off some beer. The fine folks of Primetime Craft Brewing. It is meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Uh, primetime is full flavor without compromise. You can get some at a liquor store near you or you can visit the brewery to see how it's made. Primetime. It's prime time. I'm working on that tagline. Uh, we are waiting on Paul Grant, senior editor from Sportsnet.ca, who has been covering the 2018 uh, World Junior uh, saga controversy team and developments. Do we have them on the line now? Terrific. Perfect timing. Uh, as mentioned, joining us on the line now, Paul Grant, senior editor with sportsnet.ca here on the Halford and Brush show on sportsnet 650. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Good morning. Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on and taking the time to do this. We do appreciate it. So uh, the latest developments in the uh, 2018 Canadian World Junior Team um, incident, the five names are now official. Uh, We're trying to parse through everything that's gone on, and I kind of wanted to start big picture with you having covered this at length and doing media interviews and making sure that you get the story right and you uh do the proper diligent reporting that is required um why didn't you initially link the leaves of absences from dylan dubay and carter hart specifically uh with regards to this story why wasn't there a link that was been made because i know a lot of other outlets did kind of make that logical leap but uh some didn't i'm just curious what the decision making process that went into that part right from the onset
3: yeah that's a very good question uh the, one of the cardinal rules of journalism, as far as uh, you know <laughs> back in the day when I was in journalism school and also as I learn as I go along, uh you only report what you know, and you know every time we report something like this, we have to look at the facts and we have to look at the facts as we know them. We knew that the players had taken leaves of absence. we knew that there was a couple of players out there who had taken leaves of absence. We knew five players were going to be charged. Um, but we couldn't put those two things together uh, because we didn't have sourcing either from the uh, lawyers uh, of the players or the agents of the players or from the court side of it, from the, the police or the legal side of it. We didn't have confirmation. So it's, it's kind of a dangerous game uh, to play that, to make connections. Like, well, I'm assuming those two guys are a part of the five guys. So if, as soon as you're assuming – you're, you're losing when it comes to journalism, I think. and I, I, There were a lot of places that made that connection, and I understand why they made that connection. Um, but it was only until we saw the lawyers officially confirm that uh, their clients were involved in the charges. They were among the five players asked to surrender. That was when we went with it. Uh, the story
0: can be complicated to cover because there are multiple uh, organizations... Conducting multiple investigations and multiple reports stemming from it. So there's a Hockey Canada report into the 2018 junior team, as well as an NHL report into the incident as well. What is the current status of those reports, and will those findings ever be released publicly?
3: Well, the Hockey Canada report right now is uh, a third party report conducted by uh, the law firm that they've hired, and it's in an adjudication process. So what that means right now is it's being un- it's being appealed. Uh, Hockey Canada is appealing the results of that study. This is kind of a separate stream, this thing. Um, okay. It's going along concurrently with everything else. And uh, from I, uh, my sources in Hockey Canada are telling me that it's not beholden upon any charges or the NH or anything like that. This is a study and in, in a, in a, an investigation that will come out on its own merit. And right now, uh, they're not prepared to bring it out. There are a couple of things that they're appealing um, one of the things that, I, as I understand it, is the, is the names um, in the study would come out. Uh, and there's also concern about redactions and things like that. Um, so that's where the, the Hockey Canada study uh, and investigation lies right now. The NHL investigation, I believe, is complete. Um, I think that they are waiting for uh, official charges to come out with their uh, investigation and the, the results of their investigation the reason i think that is because i don't think the nhl really has uh, a good footing to do anything until charges are laid we've seen that in the past with other incidents in the nhl where players have uh, run into trouble with the law and they have, they have been suspended after the, cha- the charges have been laid uh, but in this case we do not have charges laid yet so the nhl really can't do anything with good legal footing and you have to remember uh, gary bettman has a legal background right so he's a lawyer by trade Uh, And a lot of the executives in the NHL are are the same. So they're doing this absolutely locked down in terms of precedent, in terms of law, in terms of, you know, they also have to juggle the jurisdictions of two different countries in terms of law procedures and things like that, too. So the NHL is being very, very careful with this. But my belief, and uh, I haven't had this confirmed by anybody inside the NHL, it's just a a hunch in talking to people around the the league and the legal profession, is that I believe the NHL's uh, investigation is complete. And they're just waiting for the official trial or official charges on Monday.
1: So the London police have called a press conference for Monday, February 5th uh, to provide an update on the case. What kind of questions will they get? What's, for example, at the top of your mind to ask the London police?
3: Yeah, the, the most interesting thing to me and I think what they will lead with in their press conference is what exactly the charges are. Um, just because five players are charged, don't mean that doesn't mean that they will be charged with the same thing. There are various degrees of uh, assault, for example, that can be uh, laid, the charges can be laid. Uh, there can be degrees of charges. So that, to me, is really the most interesting and probably the most pressing thing is uh, you will be able to glean from the charges the severity of each one of these uh, incidents. So, uh, you know, we'll be looking at if If John doe one uh, is involved and who that is the connected who's connected to that, um, you'll be able to glean i think certain uh, certain charges will take you down a path to uh, believe what you know which player is which now again, we don't want to make any conclusions or uh, jump to any sort of uh, logical progression here in terms of who and who was who did what, but I really think that that's going to be the most interesting thing in terms of what the press conference will reveal on monday are people expecting this to go to trial yeah i've talked to a few lawyers about this since uh, we learned that the the charges were coming Um, the belief is that it will go to a trial but will go to multiple trials Uh, so in other words you will have just throwing this out there as something that was uh, tossed out to me uh, you'll have three trials for three players, perhaps the three most severe charges, mm-hmm. and you'll have two. The other two players uh, will uh, offer plea bargains and will testify in those other three trials. So, if that is the case, we're looking at you know three separate trials. We're looking at the progression of those three, three trials. We're looking at the legal teams of all three of those trials uh, being involved. So, and then you're looking at three crowns potentially. Uh, so there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, so the answer to your question is: I think this will go to trial. I, I think we'll go to trials, and I think it will be a long time before we see that. Uh, right now.
1: So what I'm thinking about if there is multiple trials is the victim in this is she going to have to testify three times?
3: Yeah, and that's a really great question and a, and a salient point in all of this is that. I know there has been reluctance by her to participate in the past around some of this. And you can only imagine. I mean, it's just a horrific, horrific uh, alleged incident to be involved with. And you would have to relive that time and time again. So I think there's a lot of sensitivity around this. In talking to members of Parliament when there was a committee hearing around this uh, in 2022, that was their greatest concern around all of this was the survivor. Um, that was one of the reasons that there was reluctance to share the hockey Canada investigation because her name was in it. And there was, you know, there's always a potential of leaks, right. And there's always potential of a name not being redacted when it should have been. Um, so that was the the greatest concern. So I think that is a really, really salient point in all this is, you know, will she have to participate in three different trials?
1: And will her name have to be out there if she's participating in
3: well, I think there would be a publication ban in this case um, there to this point, the precedent has been that she is not wanted to be identified. Um, there will probably be a, clo- probably be a closed courtroom in the circumstance where uh, no cameras would be involved, et cetera. So it would be completely up to the crown and the defense to determine this, obviously, and the judge ultimately, of course, uh, to figure out the best scenario. But there is, there are situations where these things can happen and, and the uh, survivor is not identified.
0: Uh, we're speaking to Paul Grant, senior editor from Sportsnet here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Paul, do you have an understanding of what power or authority NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman has with regards to suspending the players involved?
3: Yeah, my understanding is based on precedent. Uh, there were charges laid against Boivov, uh, for example, and he was suspended. Uh, indefinitely, and I believe he's playing in Russia now. There's other players who have uh, had similar situations where they uh, ran afoul of the law and were suspended. So I believe there are a lot of riders. You know, there are a lot riders in the CBA, there are riders in the uh, in the standard uh, player contract that uh, allow for suspensions in this sort of case. So I think that he has a lot of leeway. Now, having said that, uh, I believe the PA will step up and. I don't know if it will protect its member, quote unquote, uh, but it will certainly uh, have to represent these players in some fashion. Now, uh, with one of the players being involved, he's not in the NHL anymore. So there's a complication there in terms of uh, what kind of representation he will get from the PA. And there's also a complication in that when this alleged incident happened, um, these players were not in the NHL. Uh, So there's a lot of complications around that in terms of the PA and in terms of the NHL. But my feeling is that as soon as we get charges on Monday, I think that not long after that, you'll get uh, some sort of notification from the NHL about suspensions or further action.
0: Uh, Paul, we want to thank you for taking the time to do this today. We really appreciate your insight into this. Uh, Best of luck with everything moving forward. And once again, thanks. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. That's Paul Grant, Senior Editor from Sportsnet here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet.
1: I was talking to a a lawyer friend of mine who's actually on the Crown side about this case, and uh, I was asking him similar questions to what we just asked Paul, and he actually didn't think it would be multiple trials. Um, So we'll see how that all plays out, just because it would be um, so hard on... On the, on the victim in this to go and testify um, that many times. Um, and he also wonders, like, does it get to a point where one of the players is identified as the ringleader and the rest of the guys who have been charged right. kind of flip on him and they testify against him and that's how it goes. Um, so anyway, from... A legal perspective, I suppose it's interesting, but, you know, I think most people just want to see justice out of this. We'll see if it happens. These are tough cases to try. They're tough cases to win, um, and uh, it's just uh, – it's tragic. The whole thing is tragic.
0: Okay, uh, let's do a quick reset here, uh, lay out what we've done already and what's going to come up for the remainder of the show. You are listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, coming up at 8 o'clock, Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk is going to join us. We will obviously be discussing in further detail, not that we haven't already, uh, the Elias Lindholm acquisition for the Vancouver Canucks and what they might do moving forward. Could Chris Tanev be in the mix as well? Uh, we have gone over a bunch. If you want to download the Hours 1 and Hours 2 podcasts, uh, Hour 1 is now up for public consumption. Hour 2 will be up shortly. Uh, hour 1 is an entire uninterrupted hour of trade reactions. So If you want to uh, get caught up with anything you may have missed throughout the show, hour one is the place to do it. Uh, I do want to play a little bit more audio yesterday because it was a busy day for Patrick Alvine. As we were getting off the air yesterday, word had come down that Patrick Alvine had signed a multi-year contract extension to remain the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. Now, I think it might be an interesting exercise to go back and look at some of the things that he said in his press conference following news of the extension because chronologically, those remarks happened before he went out and made this huge trade for Elias Lindholm. Now, one of the interesting ones that I thought from yesterday was Patrick Alvine talking about making moves well before the deadline. And there was kind of sort of a wink and a smile towards his boss, Jim Rutherford, who quite famously, throughout his years as an NHL general manager, liked to do his trade deadline shopping well ahead. Of the trade deadline, uh, let's play this audio now. You think Rutherford's got his Christmas shopping done already? I don't think that he's done yet. No, no. I think that he may have started for December, but he's you know he's got a lot more to do as well. He's he got likes to get of ahead time. of the game. He likes to get ahead of the game. Here's Patrick Alvin on making moves ahead of the March 8th deadline. You know what? Uh, as I said earlier, Jim uh, Jim always want to be ahead of things, and that's one thing that I've learned from Jim to stay ahead of it. Uh, communication with the, with other GMs around the league, and and see what the what's available and what the price tag in uh, is on, on certain individuals. Uh, and if it makes sense for us, uh, uh, as we've shown, and Jim has shown in the history, uh, we're we're not going to just sit and wait. And they did not sit and wait. They make the first big splash ahead of. It. Remember the March 8th trade deadline we're February 1st we haven't even had the all-star break yet we're right smack in the middle of it so they really got out in front and kind of did all the things amazingly that um, I'm not gonna like, we actually talked about this they had a video of our show from a couple of days ago that actually got a lot of play on sportsnet.CA mm-hmm. talking about the Canucks being all in and being aggressive but doing it now and kind of following that historical um, resume that Jim Rutherford had of doing these moves early. Do you guys do, do? you
1: consider the Canucks all in? Because I don't consider the Canucks all in. If they were all in, they'd be trading Lekker or they've been trading V Lander, they've been trading everything
0: they possibly have to go. They're not all, all in, in. They've left some. All in within the framework of what's been provided. If they're. Look at what are the big. What were or are. The big fish, the big targets available at this year's deadline. It was right now. You're saying Jake Gensel, maybe if maybe Pittsburgh's going to move him because it's very uh, very possible that they could not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lindholm, in that regard, is right at the top of the list because I think it became pretty apparent that he was gone. Yeah, We had Randy Sportak from the Hockey News, uh, Calgary Flames beat writer, earlier, and he was writing articles about how that goal that Lindholm scored against Chicago to give them the one nothing win a few nights ago might have been his last, um, last goal that he scored in a Calgary uniform. Like, he was talking about him going into the All-Star weekend with the possibility of being traded. Lo and behold, it happens. I mean... Right now, you asked the question, are they all in? And I would answer it like this. Right now... They are showing all the signs of a team that's willing to be all well, in. Well, they're as all in as they can be, right? Because there's that pesky salary cap. They can only but, add so much before but, yeah, you reach your it, limit. Jason did bring up a good point. If you're truly all in, then nothing's off the table. But they can only add so much. Like I said, you can only bring well, you can in subtract. active players. You can subtract. But then you still have to subtract players from your active lineup. You're yeah. talking about getting rid of the prospects cupboard and yeah. all the players yeah. that aren't on the roster. Well, team. the move right now I think everyone look, is looking at is can they move Zdorov and his $3.75 million out? And then... Do you open up the potential of, well, could we get another big piece coming in? If you're going to do that, it's what you're talking about. It's like start looking down the list of assets that you can move. Well, there's no first-round pick this year. I'm not sure if you want to move your first-round pick next year. And then you're talking about do you go into mm-hmm. the, the cupboard and say, well, here's a here's a v- Is it worth here. it? You know, If you're going to trade a Zdorov,
1: you better get a really good defenseman that you're sure of um, to replace him. And you better not lose too much in what Zadorov brings. And what Zadorov brings is size and toughness and, and skating ability and a few intangibles that you need in the playoffs. So is it going to be worth it? But yeah. I don't see any way for the Canucks to upgrade their defense without, like, unless you're talking about bringing in, you know, a seventh or eighth defenseman well, for depth, yeah. and 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 that that's something that they might be able to do. But if you're talking about we want to upgrade the sixth defenseman that we got, right? Um,
0: which is tough. Right? Which is tough because it's going to cost you to get an upgrade. Well, I think a that, proper upgrade. Yeah,
1: but I think like I, c- I consider Zadorov an asset, right? Like he's not he's not a negative value contract. He's an asset. If sure. if, if Zadorov was made available. He would deliver them something, right? You can maybe get a second round pick for Zadorov, as one of the textures suggested, right? Mm-hmm. But the question is whether it's worth the upgrade to bring in whoever that is. Maybe it's Tanev, maybe it's someone else. This is the thing with this management group. Like, sometimes it's the obvious player, like Lindholm had been discussed, right? He was, we talked about, okay, who's available? Gensel, Lindholm. Those were usually the first two names that came up. They went out and got Lindholm. Maybe they've got their eye on a, another right shot defenseman. Who knows, right? But you better make sure that what you're doing is a true upgrade that's worth it because to bring in that defenseman, they're going to probably be asking for another first-round draft pick. That's apparently what the holdup was with Tanev. The Flames wanted a first-round pick for for Tanev, and, you know, good for them. They, they should try and be getting as much as they possibly can in all these, you know, pending unrestricted free agents that they've got. Um, Tanev is coveted by multiple teams. Yeah, that's a big part of this too, right? You mentioned Ottawa. Um, Maybe they can get something out of Ottawa. Ottawa is looking to reset their culture. And the idea for Ottawa for trading for TANF now would be like, let's get this guy in the door. And then we have exclusive rights to negotiate, contract extension with him. Oftentimes just showing how much you want a player almost I don't want to say like guilts that player into signing with you, but like players want to be appreciated. Um and that's one of the reasons why the divorce from the Canucks with Tanev, I think hurt him, right? Like he's like he's like I thought I was pretty important to this team. Yeah. And like I feel like I got swept aside because, you know, and Toffoli felt that way too, but Toffoli didn't have the history that that Tanev did. At any rate, um you know, if the Canucks are going to upgrade this defense, they've got to do it really carefully because Zadorov is. It's not like it's not like he's bad. You know, they, they had they had a, they had a problem with Kuzmenko mm-hmm. in the top six. Yeah, they had a problem with him. Yeah, I don't know if there's a problem with Zadorov. No, there's played, just he's, kind of one of these things where you are like, can we do better? If we can do better, then we should do better because this is a pretty special year. Yeah. How,
0: how much is of this is like them trying to be
1: competitive this year and going for it? And also management balancing like, hey, you've had an unbelievable season. We owe it to you guys to try to put you in the best position to go get another
0: player on top of Lindholm. Mm. I think that's a part of it. Like a, cu- also, a culture thing. Yeah, I also think that um, it might be a bit too myopic just focusing solely on Tanev. Because there's a difference between uh, an upgrade and then adding depth. Those are two fundamentally different things. Like Tanev comes in, and he's going to require certain things. He's going to require top four minutes. He's going to require particular partners. Like I always go back to the one, and I I know this is a very, very singular uh, example, but in 2018, the Capitals went out and acquired Michael Kempney and added him to their blue line. And it was a third-pair defenseman that they got for a third-round pick. Kempney went on to play in every single playoff game and averaged 17 and a half minutes and was a really important part of what they did to win a Stanley Cup.
2: Couldn't happen to be that he's an outlier, though,
0: would he? You'd like to bring him up every time you talk about trade deadlines. It could very well be an outlier. <laughs> but the point remains is that every year there's only one team that, quote unquote, wins the trade deadline. They did it that year because it cost them nothing. And the guy came in and didn't reinvent their blue line but was an important part of it. He played every single game and he did everything he needed to do very well. I think that that kind of move in the sense of it gives you versatility, it gives you a different look. Versatility should be the key for everything that this management group is doing with this team moving forward. Like The nice thing about Lindholm is that He's versatile. He can do a lot of different things. He can play in a lot of different positions. I think getting a depth defenseman who can plug in or maybe take over if someone's ineffective is maybe a more appropriate fit than spending a ton to get Tanev in the door. When let's be honest. If you really, really want him for maybe not necessarily this run, but this run and moving forward, take a run at it on July 1 and see what happens then. Uh, Okay, we're here. Two hours in the books here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Thomas Drance is going to join us on the other side for even more Elias Lindholm trade reaction. Uh, we're also going to do what we learns Humanoid version. Get them in. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. The text line is popping this morning. Uh, if you want to be on the radio after 830, it's your chance. Just get a what we learned in hashtag at WWL and text to 650-650. Finally, I need to remind you that you can reserve your spot for the big football party. At the Clayton Public House on February 11th. That's a Sunday. uh, Hosted by Sportsnet 650. Visit theclaytonpub.com. Clayton Public House. Good food. Good people. Good times. One final hour coming up on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.